We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Roadwire Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast is back with another episode that is also sponsored by Underdog Fantasy as it is every week. I'm Alan Soslowski of rotowire.com along with fantasy expert Mark Stopa. And today on this Dynasty podcast, we're going to talk about the art of rebuilding an orphan team. You hear a lot about startup drafts. We love our Dynasty startup drafts, but I'm seeing more and more interest, Mark Stopa, in people wanting to take over pre-existing teams and you're actually one of those guys you've been asking me a lot of questions in the offseason about uh you know getting seriously deeper into dynasty and i guess my my first question for you is why why is an orphan team a team that's been abandoned by another fantasy owner in an established league why is that an appealing thing to dip your toes into well I think for me, you know, as someone who's played fantasy football since 1995, but never done a dynasty, the first co- the first draw was just getting over, getting into it in the first place, just starting dynasty in the first place. And for me, that started by kind of eliminating two misconceptions that I kind of had about it. The first was that it would be this big time consuming thing, you know, playing year round and it's a big time suck in season two. And it's really not like that. I think that's because the rosters are just so deep. At least all the formats I've seen, the benches are so deep, the rosters are so deep, that really lends itself to it not being as time consuming during the season. So when I saw that, I'm like, OK, I'm, I, I want, want to start getting into this. And we've been chatting about it the last few months. And, and then I and then I realized the second misconception I kind of got over is, you know, you don't have to be a college football guru in order to play. And so I, you know, I had this perception and I that I suspect a lot of people do. If you don't watch college football, if you're not up on who are going to be the top picks, if you haven't studied them, then it's going to be hard to succeed. And I, obviously that's going to help some, but I, I think it's pretty clear. You don't need to do that. There's a million gurus out there who are doing rookie, rookie ranking, r- rookie rankings. So, you know, once I got over those two, it's like, you know, this is fun. And, and, and I'd love to be able to take over somebody else's team and, and, and get it going. And you kind Kind of get that, uh, get that fill of football during the off season that you miss since you know the season's obviously over now. So yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Let's go. I uh, I must be two in the weeds. Uh, I'm in you know 38 dynasty leagues. I'm trying to pare it back a little bit this year. And I those two when you told me about those two misconceptions, it makes total sense to me. But it was eye opening because 
since I'm in so many leagues, I've been playing Dynasty for about eight, nine, maybe nine years now, is that, yeah, it's actually less time because the rosters are 30, 35 deep, sometimes 40 when you include the 10 to, you know, five to 10 person taxi squad, which we'll get into that, is that there's almost no maintenance. It's just lineup setting. And, you know, very, very few guys pop up on waivers when you have 300 plus 350 guys rostered in a league. I mean, you know, you might see, uh, you know, Rashid Shahid pop up or Brock Purdy if, you know, and even in Superflex, you know, those guys do pop up, but it's not every week. It's not a grind. So you, you make a really good point. And then you also, the eye opener was when you said you don't have to watch college football. In fact, my answer to you is that sometimes when you do watch college football, it's a negative for Dynasty. And what do I mean by that is you have all these preconceived notions about who's supposed to be good, who's supposed to be bad. Oh, I've seen them play and the Saturday transfer to Sunday. And the last thing that you said is that let, let the market do the work for you. There's so many good dynasty eval- I mean, rookie evaluators out there that let's just be a, a collaborator of that information, process it in the way that, you know, that, that we see fit. So yeah, no, that was a, a really, I, I learned something from talking to you over these last few months. So, all right, you, you've got into a, um, a few orphan leagues this year basically adopted an orphan there's a team you know sometimes dynasty owners they just you know they have other things going on in their life they have to abandon and uh what i always think makes for a good league a good commissioner is making sure people pay one year in advance or certainly paying for the year they trade away the pick so if you want to trade away your 2025 first you need to pay for 2024 and 2025 totally and, agree. and yeah and a lot of the leagues they do do that if Someone is not making you pay a year in advance. You don't want to be in that league. It could fall. But I also believe that sometimes people panic when people leave leagues. I think it's good to have fresh blood in the league. I've noticed when I joined orphans, instantly people are interacting with you. They're presenting trade offers. You know, that that kind of makes it fun and it makes it easy to immediately start molding the team in the way that you want to be able to do it. Okay, so let's talk about the seven tips. You know, I, I put up there seven tips because I'm sure we'll have more than that. But there, there's definitely some things that you could do that are universally applicable to rebuilding these teams. So, you know, you came in, you know, kind of, uh, let's say, blissfully ignorant to what to expect. So what was the first thing that you did when you took a look at these teams? Uh, how did you evaluate it in the direction you were going to go? The, the first thing I did as I looked at each orphan that I took over was I was honest with myself about how good the team is. And, and, and I say that with an eye towards, you know, does this team have a realistic chance to compete and win this season in 2023? And I, I evaluated that first by looking at my own team and then by comparing it to some of the other teams in the league. You know, how does it stack up? And, and and then from there, it would be, you know, I'd start to get a gauge for, OK, do I want to go into win now mode or do I want to try to take a longer term approach to this? And, and I don't think it'd be surprising to say for people to realize when you're taking over an orphan, often those aren't the best teams, but they're often better than you might think. So that to me is the first step is just being honest with yourself about your ability to compete and do well and win in 2023. And I think as a, someone that takes over an orphan, you have more clarity on that. Sometimes I've drafted a team, you know, we all look at ourselves in the mirror 
Mark Stope, and we all think we're a little bit handsomer than we are, right? <laughs> so when I build a team, I'm looking at it, and you know, in reality, it might be like the seventh best team. I'm like, I can make the playoffs, I can win it all. So, but you have the uh, the benefit of you didn't you don't have any attachment to this team other than you just took it over. So you're looking at them as like a car that you could sell off for the parts. So okay, you take a look at the team. You're honest with yourself, and let's say that you th- you think you're a you know like you said somewhere in the middling type of team. What type of trades do you think are you looking to make here? Are you looking to acquire picks? Are you looking to acquire veterans? Um, let's just you know for sake of argument, just say you have all of your 23 and 24 and 25 picks intact, nothing extra. A team that you think is. I don't want to say stuck in the middle because what you think is the middle today is is a top three team tomorrow, right? <laughs> if you had Jamal Williams on your team last year, you would have thought that's just like a bench piece. And now he was an every week starter for fantasy football. So what's going to be your basic strategy? Tip number two here uh, as you evaluate the roster. I, I personally, I've taken a quick look and, and by certainly not in depth or anything like that at who's coming out in the 2024 draft. And there are some names there that I really like that even as just a casual college football watcher, you know, people listening could probably watch more college football than I do. But I see Caleb Williams, Drake May, two guys who set up to be top five picks in that draft and have the potential to be franchise QBs. I see Marvin Harrison and I see Brock Bowers. You know, we all know Marvin Harrison and Brock Bowers, you know, he's become kind of a household name because he's played for Georgia. So I see guys who I'm like, you know, wow, I'd really love to be able to have them next year. So I, I, and I'm sure there'll be others too who emerge over the course of this year. So I've been trying to take some, you know, some of my assets that I don't really like or don't really view as long-term holds or guys who I don't really can't ever envision myself wanting to start in the future and allocate those towards 2024 draft picks like you you we chatted about a trade that I did the other day involving uh Zay Jones who I think is a great example of somebody who he was on an orphan team that I took over I think there's a really good chance he just had his career year last year he's not somebody who I think I'm really going to be excited about starting in this coming season and so you know I moved him in a package deal to acquire some future assets so that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking to do because I want to be able to get some of those studs for the next draft class, especially on those teams that aren't going to win this year. Yeah. You're saying a lot of the things that a lot of the dynasty uh, managers out there, the takeover dynasty teams, like these are all mistakes that I made. Like I was trying to acquire guys off of career years when I first started playing dynasty. So, you know, you having played a lot of high stakes redraft, um, you know, you put together a lot of DFS puzzles. You're thinking about this in the right way. And again, it's, you're going to be a lot more advanced than even some of the players that have been playing for years, just based on how you're thinking about that. Right. You want to, you know, you want to, I know this sounds like, but you don't need to be a fantasy analyst to, to, for, for this advice. Acquire as many elite players and shots at the dartboard as you can, especially when you're shedding, you know, Zay Jones types. Now, how about someone like, um, like a Travis Etienne? Like, you know, I know that you would ask me about a trade with him. Do you not view him? I mean, because running backs in Dynasty, yes, they have, they could have the quote, shorter shelf life than the wide receivers. But they're so expensive to buy these young running backs, even though they do expire in sh- in um, in, mul- in shorter windows. So, 
how, what do you think if you have a, a middling roster and you have players like Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, are you going to hold on to those type of players or are though, are you looking to basically cash them in early on in the dynasty or in the dynasty startup dynasty orphan season? Well, let me give that full trade as a great example. I think to answer your question, I traded Travis Etienne, Zay Jones, and Jalen Warren for Drake London, a 2.9 and a 3.5. And Etienne was obviously the biggest piece that I gave up. And then Drake London, the biggest piece I got back. Here's why I, I like that. Um, in a vacuum, all else equal, I prefer London over Etienne because he, he, he's, gonna, he's already younger. He's gonna. He hasn't hit his career peak. He's going to play longer. He pays plays at a position where there's less injury risk. So obviously, I love ETN too. But you know, and they're close. But I, I, I like when I see having played fantasy for years. When I see rosters that allow you to stash a whole ton of players, the roster build that I love is. Stud receivers, plug and play, guys you don't have to think about. You start every week and you have a ton of uh, running back handcuffs, running backs with uh, with upside who you can stash so that when the injuries happen, they can become a starter in the short term. I love that kind of roster build. So, And that's what dynasty, your typical dynasty setup seems to me to lend itself to. So that's that's all that'll all goes into my thought process on that trade like zay jones we talked about jalen warren just a guy got two solid draft picks and drake london who's going to be you know an every week starter for for years and if lamar jackson goes there then all the better so you know that's how i like to build especially with those deep lineups that's not to say that's the right way but i've had a lot of success in the past doing that yeah, and right now, Travis Etienne's ADP will be a little bit higher than Drake London's, but that's why you make that trade because Dynasty, you know, Dynasty players, we try to think that we think long-term, but the idea is really to say in 18 months from now, and the reason I say 18 months a lot of times on this podcast is the next off-season, sorry, the next, not just the next season in front of us, not just the off-season, but we start the 24 season, which player are you going to want? And it looks like you said that that Drake London's basically being traded at his floor right now. If they get a quarterback that we like, I mean, they had one of the worst quarterback situations in the league. It's kind of been underrated. They get Lamar Jackson. If they get Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm just saying Andy Dalton, like anybody that could at least buoy the offense, Drake London's going to be one of those 14 target players every week. And with Calvin Ridley coming back in, in Jacksonville, that that can't be good for the pass catching of Travis Etienne, right? I mean, it's and tw- go ahead, Mark. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. You know, Atlanta had as bad of a passing environment as you could possibly have in the NFL last year, and so it can only go up from here. It's just a matter of how much it goes up and how quickly. You know that they're there's a, they're gonna get a quarterback at some point. Let's let's see how that unfolds. The week could strike gold with that. So to me, you want to try to acquire guys who you know have talent who ever who haven't had had it strike quite in a way yet. Like everybody knows, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he's an MVP, you know, a top seven or eight in the MVP now. So everybody's on the Jaguars. Now I want to try to get on the guys before everybody gets on them. Like, you know, Alave is another example, guys like that, who, you know, if they get a quarterback, they're going to explode. And you're going to also find that when you're in these leagues, that, that there's, there's going to be a very pick hungry sector of the league where there's, there's going to be fantasy players that will overpay for picks, especially 
uh, as we get closer to the draft and those names start to surface out, like, you know, once the NFL combine happens and obviously after the draft happens, people rookie fever is a real thing. And if you don't give in to that rookie fever, meaning like if you just don't get locked on a guy, you could really take advantage in the veteran market. And I think that's, you know, how you're going to be able to play it as well. Um, so there is a way, you know, you do want to acquire picks, like you said, for those Zay Jones types, acquire as many seconds, as many thirds as you can sometimes, because often you could package those picks and move up to first rounders. Now, yeah, no one's going to trade you 105 in a rookie draft for two seconds or three seconds. It's just not going to happen. But if you're sitting there in your rookie draft and you're on the clock at 110 and you just kind of see the next seven or eight picks as a tier, and you have pick 204, you might be able to package that with something else. So I think the name of the game in, in Orphan Rebuild is to acquire as many, you know, middle-of-the-road, non-premium picks right now, knowing that you're not going to stick and pick on all of those. Yeah, and 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 I don't want to limit it either to the Jay Jones type. You know, I, I'm doing an Orphan right now where I'm actively trying, trying to trade Saquon Barkley for multiple ones in the future you know if i can get firsts in 2024 then you know that gives you a chance to get the caleb williams or drake may and i find myself trying to target first round picks on team for 2024 on teams that don't look good who maybe they're going to miss the playoffs and then most dynasty leagues are set up where it's kind of a little bit random on who gets 1.1 so give me as many of those first in 2024 as possible and, and you know that that's what i'm looking to try to do right now on the teams that i don't think can win this year and the 101 is often overrated mark stopa like right now just think about like 2023 there is a consensus building that texas rookie running back Bijan robinson should be the 101 in Superflex leagues and and people are just like, oh yeah, it's it's you know, I mean that's the consensus. Of course, John's number one one, and this is before he's even landed. Now, you know, this is assuming he's going to be an all time prospect, and he very well could be. But what if he's Cam Akers, right? As far as like his production profile, what if he land? What if the Titans take him and he's got to you know do what Derrick Henry did, sit behind you know Demarco Murray for a couple of years before he really gets his shot? I'm just saying, there's a lot of things that people are assuming that he's going to go in, be a workhorse, and start day one. He's going to be Zeke Elliott, but unless he gets top five draft capital, if he's picked at like pick 19 or 30, that's not necessarily going to be the case. I mean, we've seen running back one go off the board, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now, I'm not comparing Edwards-Hilaire and B. John Robinson, but we've seen it not work out before. 18 months from now, there I'm saying it again, is who's likely to have more shelf life value? Running back one rookie or quarterback one rookie, right? I mean, if you're talking about Bryce Young, the rookie quarterback out of Alabama, why isn't he going to be the 101? Why is everyone assuming that B. John Robinson should be the 101? And I'm going to tie this back to our, our rebuild strategy for orphans. So where are you on, on, are you keeping an open mind about how the top pick in rookie drafts in 2023 should go? Absolutely, especially in Superflex Dynasty, because as we've discussed off air, it is really difficult to acquire quarterbacks in Superflex Dynasty. So, you know, I'd be very open minded towards having 1.1 as as whoever, whatever quarterback I preferred. Uh, you know, there's no right answers there. You're not doing anything wrong if you do that. Sometimes there becomes a group think and fantasy and and, you know, fantasy industry is wrong a lot. So, you know, it's your team. If you'd rather have the quarterback, especially in the super flex, you know, even if it's drought, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be young either. 
I, I mean, you, I, heck, it could be Levis, you know? Right. You, uh, there is so much uncertainty with what college quarterbacks are going to pan out. Like Josh Allen, I'm wearing the Jersey, you know, I got a bill shrine in here. You, you know, he was the third quarterback drafted in his season. You just, Oh wait, know. that that's your home. I thought you were in the bills hall of fame doing this live <laughs> podcast right here. No, no. Anyone watching this on the, uh, the, or listening on the audio, certainly check out uh, Mark Stopa shrine on the video, which I've linked in the, in the description below. But yeah, I was just, you know, I'm not necessarily saying it's young. I'm just saying quarterback one. Why it for me, quarterback one is if they're going to push these guys down the rookie board and you are doing an orphan rebuild and you have one of those picks, I mean, you just want to treat it like a regular NFL team, you know, trade down to get multiple picks. If someone's going to give you, for example, pick two and pick five for one Oh one. I mean, you need to add some other pieces because 101 right now is being treated like peak Bitcoin. But th there is something there is something to that. You know, I mean, that, you know, everyone thought Javante Williams. Now, again, injury, whatever, no fault of his own. But it, it's shaping up like someone like that who was going top three in rookie drafts. He may have another 2023 might be a J.K. Dobbins-esque year for him coming back for that injury. So, you know, quarterbacks, especially quarterback one in any particular draft is going to have so much insulation. You look, even Zach Wilson, who was horrible, right? I mean, you couldn't be worse than Zach Wilson was, or at least the perception is. And he got what two full seasons of, of most of mostly starting, you know? I mean, and that's if everything went completely wrong. Imagine if a running back was bad, like that bad. They would have two games of that. So you would do with quarterbacks, get a little bit of extra insulation. And this conversation started as far as like, you know, those, those randomized um, picks that you want in 24. Look, Jamar Chase in, in Superflex leagues that year was going like pick five, pick six. And there was people taking Zach Wilson ahead of him. I think I did that in one draft. I was like, oh, you always take the quarterback. Um, so, you know, th those randomized firsts are definitely a key to rebuilding. My next question for you, Mark, is when you're when and this is in any dynasty league, but it's particular in an orphan where you're the new guy. What is the what are some trade tips as far as everything from temperament, from types of offers? What do you think is the key to getting some of these trades done when you're basically in a league with some strangers? I mean, if you're in a league with your boys, that's one thing, you know, but. What are some uh, some actionable tips that you can give people when they pick up orphans on how to get deals done? I'd say first is patience. Understand that when you're the new guy, you may, especially if it's an active league, you may get flooded with offers that are, you know, they're throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. And, you know, you may get some bad offers in there, you know, give some counters and, and, you know, give a counter, you know, if I get an offer like that, I'll give a counter that is similarly tilted in my way, in my side. And that shows the guy, you know, okay, I'm not just going to put one over on this new owner right away. And I, I had, uh, I had one trade that I finished the other day that we must have had 20 counters. And, and the process of that, you know, you can kind of see how each other other's thinking. So, you know, stay patient. Don't don't be afraid to counter uh, and just keep at it and keep trying. And, you know, I've, I, I find it a lot of fun to to start the trading process going as quickly as possible once you take over an R and kind of shape the team the way that you want to, you know, get some of your guys in there, get rid of some of the guys who you don't like or that sort of thing. The other thing you could do is make sure that, you know, when you're sending an offer to someone else or a counter offer is that 
you're doing something that helps their team that, you know, if they have, you know, seven wide receivers and only three wide receiver starting spots, you don't want to send an offer for their running back and you give them another wide receiver that they can't start. Right. So I would say that understanding how it's going to bring value to the other team is also a key. You might, yeah, it might be a fair, the offer you send over might be fair, but it might be useless to the other team. And sometimes that's a function of identifying whether that team is competing to win this year or whether they're rebuilding and whether you're offering them, you know, the, the, for a team competing for this year, they, they, they're going to love your Saquon Barkley in exchange for, you know, future firsts or that sort of thing. So yeah, absolutely agree with you there. Yeah. So, and then the other uh, trading tip that um, you, I, I wanted to ask you about, or as far as like team builds is the, uh, the tight end position. Uh, do you think in now in redraft, we often say is like, okay, if you're not going to pay up for Travis Kelsey, right, just forget it. And a lot of times I don't even like how my team looks on paper when I take Kelsey in, you know, mid round one or mid round two, depending on what year it is. And we could just cycle through, you know, tight end eight through 16 and hope that we land a dart in, in dynasty leagues. It's not as simple because the waiver wire is barren. I mean, there's really, you know, there's t- only backup tight ends are rostered. So what's going to be in a lot of these dynasty startups that most of them are super flex. Now, a lot of them aren't even one QB and a lot of them are tight end premium where you're either having to start two tight ends. You're having to get a point and a half or two points for tight ends. So when most people are still kind of ignoring the tight end position, is there an edge to be had in your orphan? Are you going to be targeting some premium tight ends as you rebuild these abandoned teams? Well, I, I already mentioned Brock Bowers. Um, I've uh, I've been taking a look at uh, the the Notre Dame tight end Myers, um, Michael Mayer. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm trying to obviously I don't I'm not a college football guy, but I've been trying to gauge you know read what other people are saying about them and decide you know how high should he be going? Because man, what a cheat code that would be if you if you can hit on hit on a next great tight end and you've got him in dynasty for ten years. So I've already been assessing you know how high should how high should Meyer be going this year uh, uh seems like he's a, a early to mid to second round rookie drafts right now uh you know that that's uh that's a personal preference thing you know so much of it is hit or miss but yeah I mean what do you think about about guys like that well tight ends traditionally take three to four years to develop. It's not, on, I mean, look at TJ Hawkinson, for example, he hasn't, he's been mostly a fantasy disappointment relative to where he went. He was going like pick six or seven in rookie drafts. He was a top 10, top 12 real NFL draft pick. Right. Uh, and he's only come on now. And I mean, it, you can't say that the lions weren't a good environment. He's had games, but now he's solidly in there. So you have to be patient. So the, the key is if you want to be competitive, I mean, it's not uncommon for a a dynasty tight end to last till age 34, 35, you know, I mean, but they may not even hit till they're 27. Gerald Everett's a good example. He was kind of dead for, for dynasty. And then last year came alive and, and those type of guys will be on one year contract. So I'm looking in the startup draft to acquire an elite tight end and they've never been cheaper than they are right now. I mean, Travis Kelsey will undoubtedly be a top five pick in redraft top eight pick in redraft. And he's probably like tight end three or four in a lot of these startups. You can get him in the third round. I mean, it's, I think that's really the edge with any player is looking at the redraft, let the redraft market do the work for you. Look at the redraft ranking, look at the dynasty ADP and the larger the gap, the better the value. So uh, I've, my dynasty strategy has always been to go after older players and while backfilling, 
because they're undervalued. So I guess really, um, who are some of the tight ends that you think could be a value for people? And I mean, you just can't, uh, as you're doing these orphans, basically you do need to be competitive, right? You're not just doing a total shutdown. You can be competitive and rebuilt at the same time. So who are some of the, the veteran tight ends that you might target that you think can be a little bit undervalued this year? Gosh, you, you know, uh, I, uh, Darren Waller. I, I always defer when I'm in doubt to the high scoring offenses, good quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I, I, we haven't seen my, my uh, boy in Buffalo take off yet. Um, you know, oh, I, Knox. yeah, Dustin Knox. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I all, I, that's what I always tend to do when all else is in doubt, especially when you're dealing with older, uh, you know, veteran players. Um, I don't think we've seen Knox's best season yet. Um, you know, I'd like to see what, what the chargers do at tight end. You know, I think we've seen, you mentioned Gerald Everett. I think we've seen his best season. Um, so I don't know. Did you have some guys in mind? Do you want to talk about? I mean, yeah, just like, you know, these are the uh, good profiles that people basically have abandoned. Like Darren Waller for me would be someone that I'm looking to acquire. He's never been cheaper to acquire. I mean, if you have, you know, I mean, anywhere in the first round, you can, if you have pick one twelve somebody will easily flip that for Darren Waller in my judgment. Right. So, but he might even be cheaper. He's had two bad seasons. He's age 29, but he's had elite production. They're going to get a, a, a new quarterback now. Right. And I, and uh, go ahead, Mark. Let, let, let me tell you where, where this, is where my mind goes on this. You know, you said a, a few minutes ago that the, that it's, that it takes a while for tight ends to develop young tight ends. Right. And I agree. That's how it's been, but are, are we going to, and Kyle Pitts certainly is a great recent example of that, but are, are we going to always assume that that's, you know, going to be the case going forward? Like I, I can remember it wasn't long ago that rookie receivers was a complete no-no in fantasy football. Right. I, you know, as, as a bit of an older guy, been playing since 95, it used to be the third year receivers. That was the year for the breakout. And then it became the second year. And then suddenly recently it's rookies. So I'd say I'd push back on the group think that the young tight end can emerge and that I'm higher on some of these younger guys um, like the the Meyer, especially in a dynasty format where they're so hard to get. So, you know, because maybe that overconfidence on young tight ends taking a long time will prove to be wrong and that that'll change over time just the way that it's changed for rookie and second year receivers. So that's where my mind goes as we have this conversation. You know, that's a really good point because we've also seen the tight end position you, you've persuaded me here because the tight end position also has become a hybrid wide receiver, right? As the Evan Ingram prototype, right? Like those guys become, there's very few guys that are just pure blocking guys. I mean, get maybe like a Daniel Bellinger is an example of like an old school tight end. Who's a red zone threat, but we've seen more and more of the, I mean, he was also a later round pick, but if you're getting picked at the tight end position, if you're tight end one, uh, Trey McBride last year, you're seeing that these guys are, are basically wide receivers here. They're still going to score less than the wide receivers. And I like that you talked about the evolution of the game and the reason that wide receivers, for example, um, where they went to be year three breakout, then year two breakout. Now we expect it in year one is because of the pro style offense and the college offense. There, it, there's not much difference like there once was, you know, in the 1990s or early 2000s. Yeah. Let's capitalize on that. Yeah. So, I okay. Like I like that. Like even Pat Fryermuth, right? He, he was uh, productive in year one. I mean, he was usable in year one once he got his opportunity. So, yeah. I mean, so maybe. 
there you go. There's another tip for your, your rebuild. If there's going to be uh, teams that want to give you rookie picks, you know, for those veteran uh, tight ends that may have seen their best days already, maybe that's a strategy as well. All right, let's give people a couple other things that they could do uh, for their, their orphan rebuilds. But first, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, the YouTube audience, stick with us. Audio uh, listeners, we'll be back in two minutes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, and we're back. I'm Alan Soslowski from Rotowire. I'm here with Mark Stopa, and we are talking about Seven tips to rebuild an orphan dynasty fantasy football team. So uh, one of the most common questions I get, Mark, is how do I get an orphan team, right? How, how do I get into these leagues? And there, there's a couple different ways. Um, you can, uh, obviously, if, you're, if you like playing on Sleeper, there's different chat groups to get into. You can DM Mark at Mark Stopa, at Alan Soslowski, either of us. We'll help you get there. We know people who know people. And, we'll, and the Dynasty community is definitely growing. Uh, our friends over at Dynasty Depot, go to DynastyDepot.com. They put up a bunch of, not orphan teams, but teams for sale. They get very sensitive when I call them orphan teams, not because of like woke language or anything, but they, they insist that those teams are not abandoned, that those teams are basically drafted to sell to someone. So Dynasty Depot, if you like playing on FFPC. But right now we're talking about like best strategies, best practices uh, for taking over those teams and rebuilding them. I want to switch the conversation to veteran players and some of the veteran players that you might be interested in that the dynasty market, who's youth crazy Mark Stopa, uh, who, who there, who you might be looking to acquire. So 
who are some of the players that might be age 26 to age 29 of their receivers that you might be, even if you're rebuilding the team, looking to acquire in some of the trades? Well, I, I, I wrote down a couple names of guys I'm targeting who aren't, aren't rookies. And I, I want to make sure we talk about Trey Lance in this podcast. Okay, so and, let's start and, there, and, Trey Lance. Here's I, He's an example to me of, you know, sometimes you got to take calculated risks to win, especially if you're taking over an orphan. And when I, I saw the Brock Purdy injury update last week, I don't think it made nearly enough headlines. And, and the headline was his surgery was delayed. He still hasn't had his UCL surgery because of excess swelling still there. But even worse than that, what I read was that the surgery is essentially gonna, going to be exploratory and they're not sure how bad the damage is going to be until they get in there. And he could miss the whole season, depending on what's in there. That was my takeaway from that. So when I saw that, I'm like, whoa, people aren't talking about this. You know, we don't know what's going to happen, but that could happen as soon as a week or two. So I've been putting out Trey Lance offers and I want to have him because he's in an awesome setup and really hasn't had much of a chance yet. So he's probably not quite a veteran, but that's somebody who I'm targeting for sure as a calculated, what I'd call calculated risk. Yeah, no, that's a really good one. I think that's uh, right now he in ADP, Mark Stopa, he's quarterback 12, quarterback 12. If he was named the unquestioned starter for week one right now today, he would be quarterback seven. You know, I mean, that's just I mean, that's going from 12 to seven is a huge jump in the rankings. It's it's more impressive than going from uh, position like wide receiver 60 to 35. Right. I mean, that is a major jump. The higher up you get in the rankings, the the less spots you need to jump for that to be significant. So there you go. Uh, buy into into the doubt of Trey Lance. And really, you know, everyone's assuming Trey Lance sucks. Right. They're, everyone's thinking of talking themselves out of Trey Lance. I know there's Trey Lance truthers out there, but Hey, look, the draft capital was still invested in them, right? The, the we love the team context, and like you said, you there's never been a these guys normally aren't even acquirable. Someone like you know, a lot of people don't like Kyler Murray, but he's never been easier to acquire in a super flex league than now, right? So those are some of the profiles you want to chase uh, rather than just be like, ah, oh, I want to see first if he comes back if he's in the start. Too late then. You need to strike right now. Totally agree. Yeah. yeah, because by the time that by the time Brock Purdy's surgery happens, if it comes out, it reminds me a little of Von Miller, where I remember we we he went into the surgery and then came out of it with a torn ACL. That's what this reminded me of. By the time Purdy's surgery is done, if that news breaks that you know it it's was over. worse than they thought, then yeah, your your opportunity's gone, and that's probably only a week away. Yeah, and Trey Lance does have quarterback one overall for a season in his range of outcomes. Like, that is there. He he has that RG3 style of upside, um, especially given the, the team context. So let's talk in a Superflex 2QB, because all of the, the dynasty leagues I do now are Superflex, and we'll, we always cover one quarterback leagues as well. But so what are some of the type of trades just, you know, that you could put out there for them? What do you think is, do you have to give another quarterback to the guy, do you? I mean, it's very rare does a quarterback change hands without another quarterback coming back. No one has extra quarterbacks. How about late first or early second of rookie draft? I think there are some Lance owners out there who would do that. that just that, for that sing, single pick, just for just for something like that. I think there are Lance owners that would do that. I've, I've had conversations wow. with Lance owners, and that that that's that's what I'd be looking to do. Wow, that seems cheap to me. I mean, I guess if you get on the clock, right and Someone like 
Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida. Let's say he does get first round draft capital, but he's behind an aging starter. Let's say that like, you know, I'm just going to make this up. Let's say that for sake of argument, Andy Dalton is the starter on a certain team. Anthony Richardson's the rookie behind him. He goes late first round, maybe early second round. Pick 110 is his ADP. Someone doesn't like Lance. I mean, that's the type of. Great comparison because, see, I think most people right now would rather have Richardson yes. because he doesn't have the two years of, of fleas that, that Lance has, whereas I would far prefer to have Lance than Richardson. So that's where I think, you know, you could maybe get Lance for the late first round in a rookie draft because somebody's thinking, oh, I could get I could get somebody like like Richardson. So a, a great comparison there. Yeah, and we'll give you a couple more other suggestions on that. But first, I just want to do a uh, quick acknowledgement of our sponsor for this podcast. It's Underdog Fantasy. The 2022 season might be over, Mark Stopa, but fantasy football season never stops, as you know, on Underdog Fantasy, which is the easiest place to play fantasy football right now. Underdog's big board draft tournament is open with a million dollars in prizes, 200K to first. Uh, I think you know uh, which one of the rookies will burst onto the scene in 2023. Now's your chance to draft them at value. All you have to do is join the big board, as I've done many drafts already there. Uh, And that's it. In best ball, there's no waivers, no trades. You get the best scores in their starting lineup each week of the season. Whoever has the highest score at the end of the season, Wins the cash, Mark Sopa. Just head to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or Google Play Store. Sign up with promo code RWNFL. I'm going to say that code again, RWNFL. And not only will you get a first deposit doubled up to 100 bucks, but right now, Mark Sopa, if they use that code, we're going to give them free six months on Rotowire. Free six months. So nice. you put in 100 bucks, you get an extra 100. You put in 50, you get an extra 50. You can put in 10, get an extra 10. You know, there's no minimum requirement, but you're also going to get that free six-month membership on rotowire.com. Links are in the video description below. Links are in the audio description as well. Um, we'll get into some best ball later in the season, but you're um, you're a big best ball guy. Are you, have you started doing any of the big board stuff yet? You know, I have not. I usually treat best ball as my way to kind of prepare for my important drafts and auctions for in seasonal. And I usually tend to do that starting over the summer. That's that's like great prep when you ha- when you're on the clock in like a slow draft and you have to decide between two or three different guys. That's great prep for me. Yeah, I've, I've done a couple already and we're going to be live streaming them. They've been you know, they're a great sponsor of this pod. So uh, go over and check out Underdog Fantasy. All right. We are also going to be talking about, uh, as as we were talking about, is our rebuilding of an orphan team. Uh, Mark Stoba identified Trey Lance as a great trade target as whose value is depressed. And yeah, you have to take some swings. There's upside swings there. How about give me a wide receiver that you think might be a little bit undervalued that even if you take over an orphan team, that could be a player that you should be targeting? Uh, I, I have been actively trying to get Khalil Shakir on my teams. And maybe this is some Buffalo in me, but here's a stat for you. The Bills have two wide receivers under contract for 2024, which is only one year from now. Stefan Diggs, who will be 31, and Shakir. That's it. Um, uh, Shakir, the Bills have their coaches have had a blind spot towards using rookies rookies that they've underutilized rookies significantly Shakir to my eye was significantly better than any, than uh, Isaiah McKenzie or certainly Cole Beasley or some of those kind of guys they were trotting out last year. 
I want him. I think he's going to, I think he was underutilized last year. I think he's going to take off this year. I think the same thing about James, James Cook, who was an underlie, underutilized rookie. Devin Singletary is a free agent. I think Cook has the chance to explode. So those are two guys who I like their talent. They pass the eye test. I, I expect Buffalo to draft some linemen and, and to, you know, build up that offense around Allen. And those are two guys, Shakir, especially at receiver to answer your question, who I'm looking to target even as rebuilding teams, especially since they're both young and have, have certainly not played their best ball yet. Yeah. Shakir, who was drafted in the fifth round of the real NFL draft in some of the FFP, FFPC formats where you can only keep like 14 players or 16 players, Shakir would be dropped. But in the, the deep dynasty formats that we play in where there's 35, yeah, he's a, you can get him as a throw in piece right now. And it's easy to see him cracking the top 36, right. And being, I mean, he's playing with a quarterback that we considered. I mean, Josh Allen is either pick one, two or three in these super flex leagues. And, you know, I mean, obviously I know where you would have him, but, and if there's no wide receiver two, who's going to be there? Oh yeah. They have Gabe Davis right now as their wide receiver two. I think, you know, the, not the book has been written on Davis, but we know what he is. He's a boomer bust wide receiver three that has top 10 upside each week, but you're not going to, he's not guaranteed any targets. Whereas Shakir can be that six target five catches for 75 yard type of player uh, this year, right? Like this coming year. And then in 2024, as you identified, you know, free agency and all that kind of stuff has to, Go ahead, Mark. Look at Shakir's game log for this past year. In the games where he got run, there was one game against Pittsburgh early in the year where uh, McKenzie missed and Shakir went something like five for 70 in a touchdown. And then he had some run later in the year too and had nice nice stats. He was just underutilized. That ain't going to happen this year. He could be their every week slot guy. He could be every down slot guy. He could be an outside guy. Let's see who they draft in the first round. But if they draft a, an offensive lineman in the first round, like I think they will. I I I really like uh, I really like Shakir this year. Yeah, that's a that's a really and our own Mario Puig over at Rotowire had a very high uh, scouting grade on him as well. So yeah, no, when two smart guys like yourself and Mario uh, have advocated for Shakir, I, I'm going to be in on him as well. Um, that's a good tip right there. The one of the things that in dine, in orphan rebuilding I think um, has people confused is that when you have older wide receivers like a DeAndre Hopkins, a Mike Evans that are still productive. I know Mike Evans wasn't productive for most of the year, but one year, if you did stick with him and you made it through, he, he won you a championship. But I mean, he had 200 yards on 10 tar on 10 receptions. So he still has the upside there. So I think uh, dynasty players, when they take over orphan Stopa is they, they think they have to sell these guys at a discount before they expire to zero. So my question for you is one, do you think that is true? I do not. I will make the counterpoint, but I'm just curious where you stand on the 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 30 year old, highly productive wide receivers. Yeah, you know, Mike Evans, he he's not certainly not somebody I'm going to be looking to buy in seasonal. You know, we've seen drop offs there, but for for dynasty, I, I he's Wait, somebody pause, who for pause for one second. You know, do you do you know what round he's going in in seasonal right now? Take a guess. Uh, you know, I, I I'm take a guess. Say, I'll take a guess. I'll say nine. He's going, well, he's going around six, round five, round six. Okay. So then you're definitely, you're definitely out then. Okay. I thought you were going to say round four, round three, but that's fine. Round nine for Mike Evans. You thought in a uh, season. I, I, you, the cliff comes fast at third for 30 year old receivers. You know, AJ, AJ Green is a great example. 
Uh, Julio Jones, a great example, similar body types, those taller receivers, when they hit 30, uh, I'm, I'm out. Right, but wait a second. Mike Evans had an, a game in Week 17 that was 12 targets, 10 catches, 204 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, I the hear clip, that that it's not just the size of the sample because we know he wasn't great for most of the year, but sometimes it's the magnitude matters. That is a nuclear week winning game. For me, I'd rather be out a year too early than a year too late. So you know, I, I'd want oh. I if. I I'd rather be out a week. So we can agree. We can disagree on this one. That's why we play the game. Cause there's disagreements, yeah. well, right? Really? The point I was making though, is not agree. And of course you want to be out a year too early. You're too late. But if, if I just don't want people selling these, these players, trading them away. If you take over an orphan team and these players are on your team, often people are like, Hey, I'll take a second round pick for them. I think that you need to, the, the, here's the actionable takeaway. When you have DeAndre Hopkins on your team, when you have Cooper Cup on your team, you don't want to trade these guys in the offseason. You want to trade these guys in week two, in week three, after they have the big game, because that's when you can get their max value. I think the dynasty calendar is a very uh, interesting and, in, and integral part of an orphan. People think they take over an orphan, they have to knock the thing down to its studs within a week and acquire all these picks or acquire, you know, the Trey Lances, which are great strategies. But remember, you're not trying to, if you're not trying to compete for a championship this year, you don't have to do the full rebuild in six weeks. You could wait until week three when Dalvin cook has 90 yards and two touchdowns, and then you'll get your first round pick for him, right? You don't want to just sell them for 2.2 when there's more upside. There is really my point. Yeah, and, and that's totally fair. You shouldn't be in a rush to sell for 80 cents on the dollar in the offseason. You know, if you can get a, if you can get the full dollar, then, you know, I got no problem with that. But, you know, don't be in a rush to sell for 80 cents now. I, I, I think that's totally fair. All right. So give me a running back now uh, that you are going to be looking to trade as you're taking over an orphan, orphan team that you're looking to acquire in some of your builds here. I mean, gosh, De Derrick Henry scares me. Oh, scares you. Okay. Oh, All right. Oh, yeah. A lot of, lot of miles, a lot of carries. You, you know, I, I, I tend to, this is an NFL. It's a young man's game, you know, more and more, like you talked about earlier, pro style offenses, rookies and second year guys are, are more impactful than they've ever been. I, so we, I think we disagree on some of these veteran guys and, you know, your record speaks for itself for how you did last year. But I, I you know, for me going forward, I tend to be out on the older guys and, and, and I, sometimes I miss those good seasons, but I, I tend to avoid the guys who wind up, you know, like I've been out on Julio Jones for three or yeah, four years, but I did miss Travis Kelsey last year. So, you know, there's give it, there's give and take of that. Yeah. So I, you, the question I had asked you was who you're trying to acquire, you know, but, uh -oh, but, well, but, but before you that though, you made a, a point I want to talk about here is that you have to remember Derek Henry is one of these guys that qualify for what we talked about at the top of the podcast, where his redraft ADP is going to be, you know, possible. It's going to be first round, right. When it's all said and done, it might even be a top five pick depending on how you like to build your team. Uh, I don't think anybody doubts that he's going to be an elite fantasy running back in 2023. And because he's got that like kryptonite 29 next to his age, when you click on his dynasty card, he goes in like the fifth and sixth round. So if you want to do a young wide receiver build and you could still have Derrick Henry in the fourth, fifth round of your dynasty startup draft, these guys represent extreme values because yes, running back as a young man's game. I think that Derrick Henry, we could, I think we agree 
qualifies as an outlier. And though he's had tremendous workloads, he also remember those first two and a half seasons, he was DeMarco Murray's backup. So he didn't, he had two seasons where he was lightly, he was a lightly used sports car. So Derrick Henry is someone that will, the market's going to agree with you, but I'm looking to acquire him before he has that 160 yard game in a startup. Right. But even now, like if, if, there's a, there's a lot of teams that are like in 10th place. So they have pick 103 and they have Derrick Henry on their team. This is the time to go get Derrick Henry because there's no doubt in week two, he's going to have that 117 yard, two touchdown game. And then you're back to paying full retail for a 30 year old running back. So yeah. if you do want, if you're a running back away, that, that is someone I would target, but who's someone that you're targeting now that you're rebuilding an orphan. I, I'd say if you wanted me to pick an older running back, I'd say Austin, have to be older. Austin, I'd say Austin Eckler. You know, I, if you compare Eckler and Henry, I prefer Eckler, even Definitely. though they're similar in age, because so many fewer hits, so much of his value comes from receiving, tied to an elite quarterback, that, that they're going to get some speed on that team. So, give, I, you know, I, I'd, I'd be all about Eckler. I would bet on Eckler's aging curve going forward far sooner than I would on Henry. Mark Stopa, you did it again, man. You did it again. You uh, you brought the goodness to the Rotowire Dynasty podcast. You're routinely requested as one of our, our favorite guests on, on this stream. So we'll hopefully you will come back again. Follow him on Twitter, at Mark Stopa. He gives a lot of great fantasy advice. He, he talks about just some pop culture, talks about politics. I, I think he's a, um, a great follow, one of my favorite followers on social media. His DMs are always open if you want to talk about football, if you want to talk about anything. He loves a good debate. What else are you promoting right now, Mark Stopa? You know, I, I talk investing. I, I Sometimes I talk about, you know, what's wrong with the world and how we can fix it. But just try to have, have, have you know, try to make the world a better place for everybody and have some fun along the way with fantasy football or whatever other fun stuff people like to do. Cool. And a couple other just notes on the show. We are Dynasty show on SiriusXM, the Dynasty Hour. Right now, you can just, if you have SiriusXM, just search at the, sorry, just go on the search uh, on the SXM app, the Dynasty Hour. We have four episodes up there. Uh, you can, you know, just they're, they're evergreen episodes that we talk dynasty strategy, super flex, some player specific stuff. You can follow me on social media at Alan Soslowski. Uh, this, if you enjoy videos like this, consider hitting the like button, the subscribe to the Rotowire YouTube channel. We're going to be putting out new dynasty videos every week. All right, everybody, get in some, get in some or take over some orphans, uh, you know, get into some leagues. If you have any, if you need any help with that, our DMs are always open at Alan Soslowski at Mark Stopa. And if you want to run any trades by us, we love talking trades until next week, everybody uh, enjoy your dynasty leagues. And we'll talk about some startups in the near future weeks. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.